Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 12th, 2016, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We're excited to announce the next Starseed Crystal Quest to Arkansas. This is quest number 10, October 16th through the 22nd. This is a soul group reunion, so only those with at least one of six star markings are eligible to attend, namely 25, 26, or 27 degrees in Taurus, Scorpio, Capricorn, Cancer, Aquarius, and Leo. If you feel the call of the crystals and aren't sure if you have the required markings, I'll be glad to take a look at your charts and let you know. Just send me your complete birth info with the date, the exact time of birth, place, and your current location, and write to crystals, that's plural, crystals, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S, at starseedhotline.com. Well, we're happy to welcome our friend Craig Campobasso back to the show. Craig is an Emmy-nominated casting director who has undertaken the mission of bringing the story of The Stranger at the Pentagon to the public. A longtime colleague of Dr. Frank Stranges, who documented the historic visit of an extraterrestrial to the White House, Craig has written the screenplay about Valiant Thor's three years at the Pentagon. His short film is one best sci-fi short film, and he'll bring us up to date on that. And Craig was on Ancient Aliens last week telling the story, so if you didn't catch it, it will be on again on the 15th, which I think is this coming Friday, so don't miss it. Craig is also an author and the third book of his trilogy, Autobiography of an Extraterrestrial Saga, Tehran's Dossier, is ready for pre-order. Craig is joined tonight by Stephen Workman, who heard Craig on our show and contacted him to show his film at Comic-Con in Kittery, Maine on July 23rd and 24th, I think it is. We'll have to verify that. Steve will fill us in on those details. And you can check out Craig's website, which is strangeratthepentagon.com. The August Harmonic Starseed Gathering in Arkansas will be August 19th through the 21st and is open to all starseeds. The reservations are filling fast, so please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-I-E, at starseedhotline.com for more details about the weekender. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Vanya tonight for hosting the switchboard for any listeners that may have a question or comment for our guests. If you'd like to chat with like-minded people, we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds, thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download any show in our archives on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page using the cloud with an arrow on it. We'd appreciate your support of our show, and you can do that by clicking follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. 
For those who need healing of any kind for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will help. If you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please bear in mind, if you want a stage two interpretation of that chart, you need to order it at least two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your birthday because we do have a waiting list. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her starseed news. And uh, looks like you're calling from another number. Okay, hang on. Let me see if this is really you. <laughs> Anastasia, is this you? It is Anastasia. Good evening, Ariel. Hello. Hello there. Hello, Starseed listeners. It's great to be back together with you. Well, we're going to start off today, like we always do, talking about the sun and uh, the news tonight about the sun from star, uh, from uh, spaceweather.com is that we do have some geomagnetic activity going on because Earth's magnetic poles are active today as minor geomagnetic storms from the sun are happening because of a fast-moving solar wind stream. Any of you living at high latitudes should be on alert for for auroras, lots of aurora activity. In fact, the aurora sightings are coming further and further south uh, than ever before. Certain places in northern Europe, in Canada, and even the northern United States now, uh, the visibility of auras is becoming rather common. All right, well, they have discovered a new dwarf planet. It has been discovered beyond Neptune, and they say that it is in the small icy worlds that are are orbiting around Neptune. The planet was discovered by an international team of astronomers as part of the Outer Solar System's Origin Survey. That's interesting, isn't it? They're snooping around out there to see what's going on. They found it with a particular telescope in Hawaii. They say that the uh, planet is about 700 kilometers in size. They've called it, are you ready, 2015 RR245. <laughs> they That's really the need to start giving these some names, you know. <laughs> Please, let's, what about Betsy or something, okay? Yeah. Well, it was first, <laughs> it was first uh, cited by a scientist with the National Research Council in Canada. Uh, they took pictures of it in 2015. They said that dwarf planets are so notoriously difficult to spot, but they claim that they're important pieces of the puzzle in tracing the evolution of the solar system. Would like to know why. They don't say why, but I guess in this case, small is good. If it's small, it's going to tell them more. Hmm. And also, astronomers have found water outside of our solar system on the coldest brown dwarf known to science. Yeah. They found water on our solar system. This is the very first time that they've discovered this. It's in the coldest place in the galaxy. It's a brown dwarf planet known as, this is kind of cool, WISE, W-I-S-E-0855, which has once again made the history books. Now, they discovered this about a couple of years ago, but it's just only recently that they found out that it has water on it. I don't know how they did that, but they say they do. And it's a dwarf that inhabits inhabits the fourth fourth closest solar system, which is only 7.2 light years away, guys. The fourth closest solar system, that's hard to say, is only a mere 7.2 light years away. Wow, that's just awesome. I want to know how many of you starseed actually really, truly spend time looking at the stars. And I mean quality time, you know, not just glancing up. And if you have telescopes or at the very least binoculars on a clear night, do you manage to, you know, look at the Milky Way? Do you ever really study things out there? 
our ancestors didn't live without a vision of the skies. It kept them connected to the greater reality as well as um, times and seasons, locations. Mm, it's really a sad thing that we've become so apart from that now. And even in the relatively small area, town where I live, light pollution is an awful problem. You know, I just want to take a little, I don't know what, pea shooter out there and put out all those street lights and garage security <laughs> lights and uh, lights everywhere, you know. And it's really hard to get into nature, which is one reason it's so wonderful to go out into the desert out there in Arizona and Nevada and uh, certain parts around the Four Corners, New Mexico. Now there you can see the stars. Montana, great. Any of you live out there, I hope you're taking advantage of that. But for you city dwellers... Man, plan a vacation around a time when you can get some star sighting in so you can be under the night sky and contemplate your place in existence. Science is finding out so much about what's going on out there, and certainly the evidence mounts of the wonderful mysteries that are out there and the potential for life and the, oh, my, 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 it's fabulous. So do it. Take some time. If you've got a clear sky tonight, go out there. Why don't you try to look for that coldest brown dwarf with your naked eye? Who knows? You might find Wise 0855. Won't know it, but take a peek and see. <laughs> well, we've been talking about hail, and you know hail has been increasingly on the news. Now, this is obviously a result of climate change, uh, impact from cl uh, uh, planetary-wide climate change. We're just getting enormous hailstones. Now, in Kildare, North Dakota, residents right now are cleaning, cleaning up glass and debris after a thunderstorm that produced high winds and golf ball-sized hail. All, actually, this, the article says three-inch wide hail, which I do believe may be a bit bigger than a golf ball, not sure. But anyway, this hail just tore through the town of Kildare. Uh, residents said it looked like a bomb went off. And if you've ever been in a severe hailstorm, wow, it's really kind of freaky. And uh, the worst floods in a decade have caused a Chinese stadium to fill up like a bathtub. And the subtitle of this article is Central and uh, Southern China are drowning. Now, since June 18th, the regions, uh, uh, this part of China, have suffered their worst bout of flooding in a decade. And then that was followed by that Category 4 ty uh, typhoon that hit the mainland after sweeping through Taiwan on Friday morning. Now, they say that this particular storm has brought about two feet of rain in some regions, and gauges have measured winds as fast as 125 miles an hour. Now, they say that since flooding began, about 1.4 million people have been evacuated from their homes, and there's plenty of people missing. Just an absolute deluge. And in Saskatchewan, we've also had some damaging floods. In the, the city of Estevan, Saskatchewan, Canada, uh, people could, the authorities declared a state of emergency just yesterday after a three-hour torrential downpour caused damage widespread in the region. How much rain? Over five inches in three hours. And in the western United States, wow, they're expecting October-like temperatures to uh, go across the western United States along with snow over the next week well into the month of July to the end of July uh, they say that this is the warmest year ever recorded that has had snow in July and why is that well they say that in the Atlantic Ocean there are ice whirlpools that are going on and that they are visible from space off the coast of eastern Canada now, I don't know all that much about meteorology but ice whirlpools I wonder where those are coming from 
but snow in the western U.S. You live in the mountains of Colorado and above, you may get yourself some snow. Maybe you're in it already. Now, here's an interesting article. There were actual several reports about this, so I thought I'd share it with you. Uh, It's about hogweed. Have any of you ever seen hogweed? Have you experienced hogweed? I grew up in a place where there was hogweed. I never really knew it was this dangerous. But the headline to this story is that giant blindness-causing plant is spreading across North, North America and Canada. That's right. Apparently hogweed causes blindness. It also causes terrible rashes, skin infections, a lot of um, dermal reactions in people. They don't want children to be near near it. Well, now hogweed appears to be on the loose and growing without restraint. Now, this particular weed can grow between 8 to 20 feet, and it is, they say, set to conquer ecosystems across North America. This is a real problem. State environmentalists in Wisconsin are the latest of many to warn of the dangers of this invasive plant whose toxic sap can cause temporary blindness and severe burns and blisters if you come in contact with it. But that's not the only people, those are not the only people that are worried about hogweed. Now, this is a plant that was uh, put here from Central Asia. Horticulturists thought it was pretty. They say they imported it to New York State back in 1917. And, of course, now here we are. It's growing without restraint, and it's really causing worry. And they really are afraid that it's going to dominate our ecosystem. So if you know uh, there's hogweed in your area, uh, keep away from it. Now, it it has umbrella-shaped white flowers. I'll bet some of you really can pinpoint that you probably know herbs and stuff and you know what hogweed is well but if you're out in the woods and you see a really tall plant with some umbrella shaped white flowers well that just may very well be hogweed hogweed so beware of that well there's some fascinating news out about the history of china and of mankind's uh, civilized presence on the planet now here's an article that comes out of a foreign newspaper called the south china morning post and here's the deal Uh, After uh, removing several meters of sediment from an ancient underground riverbed deep inside of a a limestone cave in Jisoo, China, a a team of researchers discovered three human teeth. Well, now, anatomically, these teeth resembled those of modern humans. But when they dated the sediment, it showed that these people were buried up to 178,000 years ago. Now, this was before the first humans walked out of Africa, they say, around 75,000 years ago. So this is 100,000 years previous to what they are considering human development emerging. And there is overwhelming evidence from fossil records that China was populated with humans before the arrival of Africans from anywhere. Now, the team's discovery has been detailed in a formal journal, but they say that this is a new piece to the puzzle of Chinese origins, but not yet the full picture, because they haven't yet done DNA analysis. Now, they say over the past decade, ancient human fossils have been found in almost every province in southern China, many of them excuse me, from sediments dating back 100,000 years or more but with anatomical features just a little bit different to the Chinese people living today. Now, here's what's interesting. The analysis of the evolutionary history of the male Y chromosome, excuse me, has traced the origin of all Chinese men. All Chinese men share a common Y chromosome. 
and they've traced this chromosome to a, quote, Adam from Africa who arrived in Southeast Asia about 60,000 years ago. Now, what they're thinking is that when this original Adam and his sons moved to what is now China, they, they thought that they probably killed all the other humans they could find and became a dominant species because otherwise the modern Chinese man would have more than one father among his ancestral roots. Now, is that weird? Yeah. All Chinese men can trace their ancestry back to a single male parent. Mm. Makes us wonder about genetic engineering on some level. Very strange. Very strange indeed. Doesn't hardly seem to be very natural to me. Well, in our final story tonight, I wanted to share this with you. The House Committee has okayed a bill letting the FBI use rapid DNA profiling. Well, there's a DNA evidence bill that would let police in the field, not just technicians in an accredited lab, quickly test the genetic material of suspects, and this is advanced to the House floor. Now, the measure centers around a relatively new screening instrument the size of a printer called Rapid DNA. Now, some civil liberties advocates are concerned with the ease with which any old non-scientist can instantly process DNA samples, and that that certainly will play a part in increasing domestic surveillance in this country. Now, long before Congress even took action, the FBI has been planning to incorporate incorporate rapid DNA results into its massive next-generation identification biometric system. Now... Experts have said that authorizing rapid DNA technology to hook up with the FBI DNA database would change the world. Now, in 2013, there was a Supreme Court decision that ruled that warrantless collection of DNA from those arrested for a serious crime does not violate the Fourth Amendment prohibition against unreasonable search and seizure. However, I will note, on a side note, they're now beginning to collect DNA from people who stopped for minor traffic violations, um, and so on and so forth, people that they stop on the street. So DNA collection now is becoming uh, very routine by law enforcement, and uh, they're putting it into a massive uh, um, identification biometric base, and um, now they're going to be able to do it right there on the spot. And, of course, we might keep in mind that uh, there's no guarantee that this so-called rapid printer is going to get accurate results. Nevertheless, um, legal actions and decisions will be made based on what that printer tells them without proper analysis by trained technicians. So that's one of the many things that are going on in the country. Lots of uh, political and social news we could report, but we're going to let that stand for tonight. Well, I have a quote for you, and it's from George Bernard Shaw. And he said, life is not about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. So, yeah, we know that, that, don't we, Ariel? Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know, years before really the consciousness movement uh, began to talk about uh, how we can interact with reality and how we influence reality. People who were in existential crisis and in psychological searching or spiritual searching would always say, workshops in the old days, would say, well, come and find yourself. People would say, I'm trying to find myself. Parents would say about their kids who went to a hippie camp, oh, he's trying to find himself. That was a cliche for many years. But I think it's a sign of advancement in our civilization and a trend to counter sort of the negative things are happening that people are beginning to awaken to the realization and the truth that, no, it is about creating ourselves. We can do that. 
and it's a very uh, beautiful distinction and a very important one. So, you guys, we're an event waiting to happen. It's just all raw material and potential. So no matter what's going on out there, you're needed. Rub your hands together and start creating. Let's do it. Let's make it better. All right, well, that's my segment for tonight. Arielle, it's going to be a great show, interesting, fascinating oh. stuff. Oh, sure is. Lots of stuff to talk about. Well, thank you, Anastasia, so much. That was fascinating news and uh, stuff that we need to know about. And, of course, we always um, ask our audience to send light and, and energy to places where people are having you know, trauma and Absolutely. serious events. Yeah. So... Thanks so much, Anastasia, for the Starseed News. Okay. And uh, right now, I'm going to first get Lavendar's mic open. Hey, Lavendar. I'm here. Okay, and I am going to bring Craig and Steve on here. I just have to click one more place. I'm on. There we go. Hey, Craig. Hey, Steve. Hi, Ariel. Hello. Hey. So, um, Lavender, you can just uh, take it away, and uh, Craig wants to uh, start um, talking about his collaboration with Steve. Okay, so Craig, I'm so happy that you're back on our show, and um, just just tell us what's up with you now, and what's going on with you and Steve, so just take it away. I will, Lavender, a big hug through the wires for you, Ariel, and Anastasia. Uh, I'm so happy to be with you guys today. So, uh, so Steve is an avid listener to the show as well and uh, heard some of my previous stuff and saw a stranger at the Pentagon and invited me to his Comic-Con, uh, which is uh, not this weekend but the weekend after, July, uh, is it 23rd and 24th? Is that it, Steve? Yes, it is. It is, and that's in Kittery, Maine, and uh, I will be giving a presentation on Stranger at the Pentagon, uh, talking about uh, my uh, eight years of collaborating with Dr. Frank Stranges before his death, and um, uh, the making of uh, you know the short film and the awards that we've won, and uh, talking about uh, the Valiant, Valiant Thor story. Uh, as well, and showing the film and doing a Q&A and everything for everybody there in Maine. And uh, and we have, there's a lot of other panels and a lot of other exciting guests. Chip Coffey uh, from Paranormal State and Psychic Kids is going to also be there all weekend long. And uh, so, Steve, I'll let you take it away because you know the uh, the exact setup so you can Tell everybody about all the different uh, events and uh, programs and things you got going on for the weekend. Sure, I can do that. So before that, I just have to say uh, what a thrill this is to actually be on live and in person. Uh, the whole Starseed Radio Academy family, but Anastasia, Lavendar, Ariel, uh, I think I probably speak for a lot of our family of listeners to say that I rely on these podcasts. And any time there is a break, it is, it, I can't wait for the next one. It uh, keeps me going, and it, it truly has formed this global connection. You can feel it, and I think it's demonstrated by it, it gave me the desire to call up and say, you know, I've, every time I've heard Craig, I just 
you could just feel the authenticity of him, and I thought, you know, I'm going to reach out to Craig. Why not? We, we have a Starseed Radio Academy connection. And so I just can't thank you all enough for what you're doing. I think the service that you're providing is helping so many of us navigate this world at this time. So with that said, Comic-Con. So as Craig said, we've got a couple of headliners. This is a first-year show for us. So those of you that aren't familiar with a Comic-Con, they started in the 70s in San Diego. That's the mothership, if you will, of Comic-Cons. And it, of course, started around comics, and then it moved out into TV series and then into movies, and then it started to bring in other genres. So that's when you start to get sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and then you move into the anime stuff as, as time has gone on. So it really has become a pop culture festival. And I think when you pick up that Comic-Con banner, you need to try to really deliver sort of a balance of material. And so that's what led me to think about Craig, because, of course, I wanted to spread the message of what he is trying to bring to the world, because I think it's important. Uh, but I also knew that that was going to be something that's going to resonate with a lot of our potential attendees. Then uh, Chip Coffey, as he said, a former uh, star from Paranormal State and Psychic Kids, uh, that brings in a whole other interest group, because, of course, we know a little thing about uh, being psychic and all of that stuff here on the Radio Academy. And so Chip has a great following. Uh, and then we're uh, bringing in another headliner out of the comic industry itself. Uh, and he's really a fun guy. His name is Ming Chen. And he is from AMC's um, Comic Book Men, which is actually uh, Kevin Smith's creation. And for those of you that don't recognize that name, Kevin Smith would be Silent Bob of Jay and Silent Bob. So he's incredibly big in the fan base industry for, for Comic-Con, and uh, he was, he was a, a real big score to come out here for our first con. So what we're trying to do is bring this, uh, all of this type of programming out to the greater Seacoast region. So Kittery, Maine, I, sometimes I have to tell people I'm not on the Arctic Circle because you say Maine and they think that that's where you are. But I'm actually right on the New Hampshire Maine border, so this is a regional festival. It's going to draw people from all, all over. And what we're hoping is that uh, we can connect, and especially members of Starcy Radio Academy that might be in this area, not only would I like to hear from you, but uh, I'm hoping that you'll come out and, and meet Craig in person and experience some of the other uh, activities we have going on. So and let me cap that off then by saying, to find out more about us, you can go to seacoastcomiccon.com that has all our information if you're in the area you can certainly buy a ticket and then I'd actually like to ask a favor of all of our listeners uh, if you've ever organized an event like this I think you can understand how stressful it is I think living in today's world we also have to think about safety and so I'd like to ask you to do two things to help support us the first thing is I would love it if you would find us on Facebook Seacoast Comic Con and like us. It doesn't matter where you are, that like is an energy and we can use that energy. And the second thing is I'd like you to just hold that beam for us and send a lot of positive energy and protection so that we have a safe and successful show. So with that, I will pass it back to you. So, and, and by the way, it's C-S-E-A Coast comiccon.com because when uh, I remember the first time uh, Steve said it to me I thought he said East Coast but it's C-S-E-A -S -S -E Coast 
Good point. There, 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 yeah. Had that problem. Yeah. So there, therefore, we can you know get that clarified. So so I'm going to be doing. Uh, why don't Why don't we start with what my schedule is uh, that weekend? So I know on Saturday. Uh, morning at 11.30 is when I'm going to do uh, a Stranger at the Pentagon uh, event and screening. And, and then tell us what else we have throughout the day. And throughout the day, we, um, we have a segment called Seacoast Comic Con Gets Real. So here's our nod to pop culture. So it turns out that we have a, a number of local reality TV stars that are in the area, So and they happen to come out of the MTV, things like The Real World. So we have Dylan Moore, who was on the last episode of The Real World. We have Brittany Baldessari, who was on Are You the One and several other of MTV's challenges. And uh, she's coming up from the Boston area, and it looks like we have another soon-to-be-announced uh, MTV star uh, going back a few years because uh, the real world has been on now for oh god since the 90s I think yeah it's been a long long time a long yeah. time exactly yeah uh, then after that we're going to move into the rise of Unit 5 which is my partner's comic Unit 5 is, is about um, first responders that were affected at Ground Zero in New York and they rose from horrible atrocities and great loss and they formed a, an elite superhero crime-fighting organization to go after terrorism. And uh, Ming Chen is going to be part of that panel because he, he was uh, instrumental in helping my partner get Unit 5 launched. And then we have a special Seiko's Comic-Con Cosplayer of the Year fashion show competition, and we are lucky to have the Emmy-nominated casting director, Craig Campobasso, as one of our celebrity panel of judges. <laughs> I know that guy. Are you familiar with his work, are you? I am, I am. <laughs> so uh, we have him, and then uh, there's a few more things. We have a bunch of workshops and panel presentations that are happening, but I don't think I'll take air time to, to go into that. I'm, I'm releasing those and updating our schedule regularly. But then that evening we have our Saturday night party, which we are calling Gotham. And so hopefully Craig will be able to stop in and make an appearance there at our VIP lounge and to meet with everybody who will be in costume, and it should be a good night to decompress from the day. Then we regather on Sunday, and that's when Chip Coffee will be doing his coffee talk, which is a free Q&A at 10.30. And then he's going to follow that up with a special gallery reading, and that is a separate ticketed event. You still need an admission badge to get into that. And that's where... Uh, he will do random selections based on messages that he's coming, uh, getting from Spirit in the moment. And sometime on Sunday, Craig, is when we're going to schedule your Total Recall, My Life in Sci-Fi, which was to talk about all of your casting work in all of the uh, sci-fi movies that you've been involved with, from Dune to Total Recall, and so many I couldn't possibly hold them in my brain. Yeah, Tremors 3 and Conan the Destroyer and all those fun movies. So exactly. There's so a lot of them, yeah. That up. yeah. And, uh, and, and Sunday's also sort of a family, more kid-friendly day, so there's going to be a lot of other sort of fun activities. We're, we're in a unique campus. A lot of Comic-Cons are done in um, sort of expo halls, but this is our Kittery Community Center, which is um, something I have to chair the board of directors there, and, and this is a cool facility with lots of neat components. So we'll be spreading children's activities out on the, the outdoor campus and 
there'll be a costume parade and a Ghostbuster-themed breakfast where they'll get to eat breakfast, like Slimer cakes and sausage, and uh, the Ghostbusting <laughs> team will be there with all their equipment to meet and greet them. So it's a lot of fun stuff like that spread throughout. Cool. So this is Lavendar, Steve. I wanted to know, would you mind sharing with us some of your history of how you got involved in all of this? And have you had some ET contact or high strangeness? Are are there some fun stories you'd like to share with us? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, So I've had high strangeness my whole life. Um, Didn't quite know what to make of all of it. Uh, I you know, I recently I, 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 sh- I shared my birth information with Ariel just in preparation of the show, and I was d- delighted to finally. What happened? Hello. Oh, it sounded oh. like he vanished there for a little bit. Yeah, I, I I don't know. His mic is open, and and he hasn't dropped off the switchboard, so. Ah. Oh, I, I wonder is he on a landline or a cell phone? No, he's on a landline. He's on a landline. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me let me well, try so, let me try let me try muting his mic and then opening it back up again. Um, okay. You can just see if if that if that helps. Um, he said high strangeness and went away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Steve, are you there? Well, that was yeah, that was high strangeness right there, wasn't it? Ah, well, wow. But um, well, I'll I'll pick up a little slack until he pops back. I'm sure he'll uh, call right back. So, um, how about now? But, oh, there you are. All, All right. right, perfect. Okay. Okay. So, so Steve, right I after you no said ep- you'd had, right after you said you'd had high strangeness, the line went dead. So you went back <laughs> up. <laughs> okay. So I I think we should maybe pause right there and say enough said because I did nothing. <laughs> On this end, I'm on a landline and nothing changed on my phone, and I could hear well, you. And I was talking a blue streak. <laughs> so, I, so okay, we'll take that one for what it's worth for high strangeness. So yes, I have. So I was um, my entire life. Uh, you know, my birth inter- information was interesting. I was um, I was supposed to be a miscarriage. Uh, my mother got hospitalized. It was a rainy day. And uh, she said that she, you know, she was falling into despair. She looked out, and she stopped to say a prayer. And at that very moment, a beam of sunlight opened up. She felt a flutter in her stomach, and she intuitively knew I was going to be fine. However, the doctor was not convinced. In fact, when my mother went into labor and my father said to him, well, what do you think it's going to be, his exact words was, I don't know what it's going to be, if anything at all. So I find that early on there's some interesting strangeness there. And so as I've, as I've grown up, I've um, had all kinds of interesting what now I think sometimes was psychic attack. Um, I think sometimes it was part of, of those abilities starting to come to the front. Uh, I had to, for a long time, I thought what I was experiencing was the norm and that everybody was. It took me quite a while, especially into my adult career, to understand that I was working from an intuitive place a lot of times and that I was seeing and thinking things that were not actually obvious to a lot of people. And so I think, you know, I think that's where I share the story with a lot of listeners about 
where you, where you feel that disconnect and you're not sure what's wrong and why do you seem to be the different one and what's going on. So I've slowly been able to put that stuff together throughout my life. And uh, and then the, the psychic attack things, those have been interesting. I've had things that at the time I thought were more ghosts. Um, I've had lots of sort of de- demonic, um, what, what I would term, because I, I was raised Catholic, um, I would term as exorcism-type activities that I still cannot explain. And uh, then actually how I found this show is rather interesting. This goes back a number of years now. But I got connected with somebody who invited me into what he was calling the project. And it involved extraterrestrials. And I thought, you know, I need to get a little up to speed on this. I've always believed in them. I just knew it was true. I knew we weren't alone out there. So I went searching, and that's how I found your show. And, Lavendar, I will tell you that the first episode I listened to was when you talked about things like Trickster and Coyote and all of those things, and I will tell you in hindsight, those were essential messages for me to have gotten. Um, that whole experience went to a, a rather dark place, and in fact, it involves another friend of Starseed Radio Academy, Gloria Amendola, though she and I have never met, and I don't think she even knew the connection, because um, we were all sort of working in, in different separated aspects of it. But that in itself was a wild story and really took me down the rabbit hole um, until I was able to stop that. Um, but I will tell you that the information that you provide us and those tools and those warnings and things for us to think about and learn to discern the energy, I just cannot say enough about how important those are. That it, I, I wrote on that for 19 years. I just kept kept working with that document and working with the document and so after 19 years I said you know what I'm done I've got to put it out there now (laughs) I'm glad you did (laughs) so because I knew I I just knew in my heart at that point my intuition was like this is important and it, it took a while it took about a year of working through this project until I realized I had this voice inside of me that said you need to shut this down because it is going to negatively impact a lot of people um, and then that's when I had some real odd experiences as well where I, I saw things in meditations and talk about mind control. I would go over to visit this person who I knew had a lot of natural um, abilities and who was channeling, and I could feel my mind go numb and passive as I would get close to his house. And then I would leave, and then as I was getting like a mile or so out, I could feel my mind coming back up. And as soon as I was able to, to realize what was happening, um, I was able to put up my own defenses and start responding in that. And that's where the story gets interesting, but that's certainly for another time if you ever wanted to hear the, the bigger story because um, it ended up being a battle. And uh, so, so that's, that's an overview of my, my high strangeness. And um, my work is, has been in the really community organizing, nonprofit. Um, I've always had a, more of a motivation toward service. Um, money has always sort of been a secondary thought to me. And in fact, I'm learning I really need to make that a little more of a primary thought. Um, but I, I have a social work background, an education background, recreation experience. And this, um, the Comic-Con, it might sound weird, well, how did I end up with this? But I actually, I enjoy special events a lot. 
and I actually view those as community building. And, you know, I also run a, uh, a haunted woods walk, so Halloween and horror. And I know for some folks <laughs> that seems like, what are you talking about? You do that and you're professing all of, all of this spiritually-based stuff. And, but the way I approach it is with a whole different energy. And I, I try to bring a really positive energy into it and make it about community and connections and entertaining people and giving people a chance to break out of the monotony and the really difficult stuff that we're faced with um, so that they can really have a positive time, recharge the batteries, and go out into the world. And that's also how I view Comic-Con. Do you also uh, engage in any kind of environmental movements or about air and water and, uh, and clean food? Do you go in that direction? I do. I actually do a lot of that. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm right now for about a year now. I've been working with a, a regional organization called Sea Ray, which is a really pushing for solar. Um, but of course, these days the people that are working in those realms they've realized that you can't just focus on your one individual issue. So the solar people realize that it's important about water and it's about food and it's about energy. And so I've been part of those networks. Um, got easily for the last decade really trying to work on those issues and I do tend to to focus more locally I, I, I've been able to build up a fairly large base in New Hampshire and Maine I do a lot of local government and for us that means municipal government and then I also work with state governments and that's gone into transportation and energy programs and things so I have for anyone that doesn't understand how these things connect in the bigger picture higher up it makes perfect sense what I do because I see all these pieces come together now because it's all related. Um, for other people, they look at me and go, what are you doing? You are all over the place. Um, but it really comes together. So, yes, I've done all – I've touched on all of those pieces. That, you, it, that you're someone that has rites of passage in what we call all 12 time zones. A person can stand in the middle of the room and start accessing – whatever they need from the 12 time zones. It sounds like you're one of those people. Well, that is a new concept to me, but it just gave me chills because that's okay, what good. I feel like when I'm in a room of people, and that was the thing that was really hard to get a grip on. <laughs> I'm sure that your electromagnetic field activates people that come into your to your um, immediate presence. I feel that about you. So wherever mm -hmm. you're going... You're activating people. You're kind of like a, a Johnny Appleseed of Starseed um, Deliverance, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An activator. An activator. We have so many activators out there. I, I can't tell you how many clients that I get that don't know what they carry in their physical body. Yeah. And that really plan their births and, are, and come to the planet because they want the genetics and the DNA to pop open, especially after 2012. It's like a lot of us got together and said, look, we're going down to the planet, but we really need to be awake after 2012 because after 2012, we have license to go forward with everything that we are. And that's I think right. that's what we're experiencing now. Although yeah, we maybe. see a lot of darkness and a lot of things in the news and things, you know, I'm very, very hopeful because there's millions and millions and millions of us starseed that are rising up all over the planet, and we're probably right. one of the best-kept secrets going. Yes. I agree with that. In fact, I actually dropped out in, uh, in 2007 and 2008. I, I couldn't do it. I had this overwhelming understanding 
it started with a question pragmatically from my work, and I said, there's got to be a better way. And don't ask me what that even meant. <laughs> it was broad. And suddenly I knew I had to stop. And I did it. And don't you think that is not, you know, if I was in one of the, in one of the Eastern countries, there would, have been a, there would have been an understanding or a paradigm around that for people to understand what I was doing. But let me tell you, doing that here, everybody kept saying, what are you doing? There's no plan. There's no income. No, I jumped. All I knew was I had to stop. And it was a, and what happened during those years as I've slowly been coming out of that, and it's exactly what you just said. It's those levels of activations and things that I have been running to try to understand and uh, figure out what exactly is it that I'm supposed to be doing and how am I supposed to be doing it. The thing that I noticed was, you know, we were all looking at, at December 20th of 2012, you know, the Mayan calendar and all the kinds of predictions, but none of that really resonated with me. And what I really noticed was that, someone came with a big arm and threw all the chess pieces off the board and they started stacking them back and it all had star seed formulas attached to them and the people that had uh, agreed to come to the planet it seems like they had more brain power they had more consciousness and of course I was told to write some information put it in a bank vault and hold it for the kids that were born after 1980 so that when they would grow up they would start having their children and though and that's some of the information that I still have in the bank vault that's going to be coming out for these kids that are being born now to the kids that were uh, after 1980. Yeah, oh, that's great. That is so needed. I, like I said, it's it's so hard to to try to figure out, especially when that you know I call it the veil. So the veil drops and you get down here because that's kind of the way the game works. And as that veil begins to be lifted and you have to start working with these abilities and try to figure out your, your mission, it's just, I mean, that's why the work you're doing, again, is so important because I, I don't know what would have happened to me without anchors like this show. I don't know as I would have been able to sort of hold my ground and to, to move through that because you just, most of us aren't here with any sort of a, a manual that we can look this up in and say, oh, <laughs> here's what's going on for me right now. So, <laughs> Again, so much love and appreciation for that. So, Thank you. So, Steve, are you writing anything? Are you writing screenplays? Are you writing books? Are, I, I can tell that you're a fine communicator. Well, it's it's funny because um, I have been – so I do write well, and, and, and thank you for that. That's one of the things that um, people will often say, and because I do so much public speaking um, – I get that compliment. I'm always very grateful of that. Writing is uh, something that I, I really believe in the power of words, and, and so sometimes I find, and especially since I, I did my dropout time, I have found that I actually write a lot slower now because I'm so conscious of the energy behind the words that I really sort of strive to get it right. And, and for me, that's a little deeper than the concept of being a perfectionist, which can really be a block. But so I have this, um, I really have this incredible desire to write, and there's been a there's been sort of an interesting block around that because I, I find that I have kept myself going in so many directions that I haven't quite done that. So I keep pulling that one out and try to say, okay, what is it that I, I'm meant to be to communicating and, and and writing about, and when am I going to start moving on that? How does that fit into the big picture of how I'm supposed to be of service right now? The thing that comes to me as you say that is I have a feeling that when you do write, you're going to write with codes. 
you'll you'll do one-liners, and and in those one-liners will be a code for the for the person that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's what I feel. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're going to oh. have a wonderful, wonderful um, Comic Con. I, I feel it's going to be very successful, and a, a lot of people are going to show up that will surprise you. And um, it's like the call, you're beeping up there, and you, when, when you're beeping, galactically beeping, that means other galactics are going to be beeping, and they're going to show up. So I feel really yes. good about your your event. Yeah, well, I do too. I do too. And I'm going to activate the writer in you when I see you. <laughs> well, I was thinking, you know, well, you know I'll me. I'll put some writer juju on you. Excellent. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. Because you know, I think I made the comment to you when I started calling and I, I talked to you, and then we talked about getting Chip in, and I said, Craig, I think I've got to rename this Steve Con because I'm starting to bring in all the people that I've wanted to meet and have an experience with. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. We'll make those connections. That's right. That's right. So, um, and Steve, you know, the tickets are um, pretty inexpensive, aren't they? Well, for, we tried for to make pe- people to pop in. We did try to make them like that, and this is if there is anybody in our area that's thinking about it, it would be good for me to just kind of explain how this works. So, every attendee has to get an admission badge, and that is fifteen dollars for badge each day. That gets you into most events. That gets you onto the campus area. Then there are some add-on events. So, for example, Chip Coffee's gallery reading is an additional $30. So you have to have your badge, and then you purchase that. The Ghostbuster Breakfast, another example. If you want to do that, there's another nominal fee. You purchase that on top. But most things, we tried to make it affordable, not only because it's the first year, but our our goal is certainly to earn a living, cover expenses, all of those important things. But, again, I... I keep coming back to community and quality of shows and what I'm trying to to focus on. You know, a lot of the great Comic-Cons have been dominated by, you know, sort of A-list celebrities, and and that's fun. I mean, who doesn't like it? Um, But one of the things we wanted to do here is we have such a strong arts and cultural scene that we really wanted to bring a focus back to artists and creatives and to bring people in the community. And so that was important to try to find a price that struck a better balance for people. So if people are interested, the website is the portal for doing tickets, and we do have an increase. So we are doing online ticket sales. Prices will go up at the door, and the reason we're trying to get people to purchase online is this is an incredible, incredibly difficult logistical planning thing. And the more we know about numbers, the better we can prepare, the better the experience is going to be for the attendees. So I'm, I'm really encouraging people to pre-buy if they think they're going to be coming. And then lastly, I want to make sure people know is that, Craig, with, with your stuff, um, I, I really wanted it fully accessible. I did not want to take any chance because I know there are some many star seeds out there like myself who are still working around abundance issues. Right. And I wanted to make sure that if they could come to Comic-Con, that they would be able to access your stuff. So we're offering your stuff included with the admission batch, so the $15 price. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Very awesome. And that, you know, by the way, when when people like Chip Coffee and other psychic mediums, you know, when they really do a gallery thing at a hotel and they come to different states, 
that the usual price is uh, between 100 and $200. So 30 bucks is an awesome price. It is. And we're, we're trying to – I was happy to hear a lot of people that are hearing about CHIP, for example. They're putting that together. Some of them miss the $15 part, but even when I explain it and they say, oh, okay, 15 plus the 30 they're still getting an incredible, incredible bargain. And I, I was so right. appreciative of CHIP because – you know, first off, this was an opportunity for you and Chip to meet in person after being friends for so long. So he certainly yeah. wanted to have that experience, and he wanted to come back to Maine. But he was willing to work with us as well. And and this is one of the things, and I'll, I'll say this, about, I've said it to Craig, but about this genuine people, it's amazed me that, you know, sometimes we all hear people like Craig and Chip Coffee. you hear of them and you see their TV or their radio persona, and part of you says, I wonder what they're really like. Well, I can tell you, everyone that's listening, you connect with, with Craig and you are dealing with a genuine person, a really good person. Chip Coffee, same thing. And both of, of these men have really, really you know, stepped up to help make this possible and help me figure this out. And that's no small task for a first-year startup. Yes, that's, that's right. Great. Thank you. That's nice. Well, thank you, Steve. Uh, at this time, Craig, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about your new book. Oh, boy. I can't tell you what a how excited I am to uh, finally complete the trilogy. When, when I began this journey, uh, I, I actually started writing the books back in 1986. And uh, book one was published on 11-11-11, and I didn't even plan it that way. But that's <laughs> when it came out. And uh, book two came out in 2014, and I, uh, I really, I knew what book three would entail, uh, the, the main storyline, and that storyline is what happens to Lucifer in the big scheme of the universe. So we know that uh, he's been on a prison planet for 200,000 years, being a created being, uh, and uh, so now in book three, he actually goes on trial along with the rest of the rebels for soul death. And so what we get to do is we get to go back to the original hearings that were done before they were imprisoned on the prison planets. And we get to learn about all of those things and how the whole rebellion and everything came about. Uh, how each person was was uh, uh, manipulated by Lucifer and brought in, and uh, what the big scheme of it was uh, as a whole, and then we then we go to the current trial, uh, uh, which is uh, uh, them being put on trial for soul death and uh, all of those things. So we actually get to learn about uh, Lucifer and his family. Never thought about him having a family, but yes. And uh, we get to actually hear him in his own words give, uh, you know, he has his say at the tribunal. We get to see what happens 
and then um, uh, which I will tell you, I couldn't. I, I every day I could not wait to get to my computer to find out what happens because as I explained. Uh, Everybody before, for me, it's like reading a book. I just sit down and I type the words as I hear them in my head. So, so it was so exciting. And I, must, I have to say, I did not – I had an inkling of what could happen, but my mind was blown with what happened because, as in the other books with the twists and the turns – there were twists and turns that not even I expected. And I, and I literally sat at my computer for days and weeks and months on end just weeping because the story is so sad. Oh, my goodness. Literally weeping. So I really hope, you know, because as I explained to you guys, I feel what all the characters feel. Um, it's like I get the feeling bodies of each of these people and, and to experience what, what they felt and, and the uh, whole thing. And when you get to the end and you understand everything, it's just this incredible sense of peace. And um, so, but on top of that, we get, you know, we have, we have several love stories going on, some good, some not so good. Um, and we get to learn uh, about a bunch of other new things uh, that are coming up and uh, some new technologies, uh, spiritual technologies. Um, I worked again with our wonderful artist, Christine Dennett, who goes by Kasara. We brought to life another 70 renderings of the extraterrestrials, the the ships, and everything for this book, which is, I have to tell you, that's quite an undertaking in itself. So it's a full-time job, uh, writing and uh, working uh, with Christy on these photos. And I have to say, she, just over the years, she has gotten so, so good that um, these, uh, they look like photographs now. What, you know her artwork so everybody's going to be pleasantly surprised when they get to see all the beautiful artwork and uh, all, all the labor that we you know that Christy put into it and um, and myself which uh, which I was just so grateful you know Christy and I were sitting one day and we were just talking and I looked at her and I said God isn't this unbelievable that you and I get to do this and she's like, yeah, I'm so grateful because, you know, when we get to work with all these incredible beings and uh, uh, and connect with them on so many levels, and it enhances our lives as spiritual beings, um, commingling with these incredible energies. And that's what I – that's why I wanted to bring them all to life in the beginning you know, with the artwork, because people connect into the energy of the being through the artwork. I've gotten many, many emails and uh, messages from people saying that they literally wept looking at photos, knowing they knew those people, they felt a deep connection, and it woke them up on some cellular level, just by even looking at the photos. So, 
So it, the book is, uh, the third installment is called Tehran's Dossier. Uh, Archangel Michael has Tehran write a dossier on the Lucifer Rebellion, and Tehran is given access to secret history coins. And history coins are, um, every soul is the, is the recording device of their life and experiences that get recorded in the library of Akasha or the Akashic Records. And when you can go and have them downloaded onto coins and then play them in machines in a small theater, on a tabletop theater, or in a large theater, but the depth perception is 5D. It's like the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen. So he is given these history coins that delve deep into things that nobody else in the universe knows. And Tehran puts a lot of things together and has to present this dossier at Lucifer's Rebellion. So that's why it's called Tehran's Dossier. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty mind-blowing. I'm very proud of this book. And um, I, I just know all the starseeds are going to love it. And, um, and I, will, I will give everybody one little caveat there will be a book for. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I, I wanted yeah. to ask you: Are you familiar with the um, the um, television show that was on last season called Lucifer? I was. Yes, I watched it a few times. Uh, it's like, oh my goodness, that that the the person that they cast for that he he played that so well. I mean, it's he like, did. Yes. I'm wondering if that's going to typecast him. He may have trouble getting work after that. <laughs> well, he he's he's a Brit. He's got that beautiful accent, so uh, so he'll work. But uh, but I I thought that was a very ingeniously done show. That was very ingeniously. Yeah, done. yeah, it was really really well done. So I'm not sure if it's still on the air, but uh, you know these shows. I just can't believe the world today. You know, you get these gorgeous shows on the air, and and they take them off like mid-season. Yeah, well, didn't do well. They never give anything a chance anymore. Well, they've got one now uh, called Brain Dead that talks yeah. about these little uh, ants that go inside the brain. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Have I you saw seen that, that last one? night. I watched it. <laughs> but what I what I laughed about was this is how implants work. It's yeah. like they're showing them as ants. But it's really about the the implant technology and how it 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 functions in government uh, scenarios. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, but um, anyway, so uh, so. Um, tell, us how, very, tell us how to get your book. Give us your website, or or is it on oh, Amazon? Yeah. Tell it's, us how to find um, your book. Yeah, if if people want it, uh, well, go to my website, which is autobiographyofanet.com. Uh, you can read the um, foreword by Sylvia Brown for book one. Uh, we've got some new book quotes from uh, George Nury and uh, Chip Coffey and Bashar, uh, who did book quotes for the back of book three. 
So those are on the website now. And uh, so if people uh, want to get book one, two, or three, it's available in hardcover and softcover. Um, I'm taking pre-orders for book three now. Um, they can just click on the contact by book uh, and email me uh, through there. And, uh, and I'm happy to sign them for everyone if they, if they like. So um, I've had some nice people, you know, like people in Norway are big fans of the book, Sweden. Um, and and uh, some people here, they buy them, uh, they buy some like 20 copies and have me autograph them, and then they give them away to their friends. But that happens especially in Sweden and Norway. But I, I think that's probably because Tehran looks like he's Swedish or Norwegian. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, anyway, and then the uh, Kindle. If if you go on the website, uh, if people prefer Kindle, they can uh, click on the links there. That will take them right to the uh, Amazon for the Kindle. So, but a, you, but, when, you, when you show your film, and yes. do you get people's response right afterwards? Tell us some of the things that people say to you after they see your film. Well, I, I toured, you know, after we won the Burbank Film Festival uh, for Best Sci-Fi Short in um, September of 2014, and then in early 2015, we won the Houston World Fest uh, Film Festival. I think it was, we beat out over 450 uh, uh, submissions, which is amazing. And um, and at that point, um, I started getting a lot of calls, and I toured the U.S. showing the film. Um, uh, the biggest audience was about six or seven hundred, um, and most audiences were two hundred and above. Uh, and I just, you know, I got a lot of interesting, um, interesting questions. Uh, mainly, everybody wants to know about Valiant Thor. Who he is? Is he still here? What's he doing? Um, can I meet him? Will he give me the winning numbers to the lotto? Uh, can he help me find my soulmate? Um, <laughs> all those types of things, which are cute. And uh, But uh, I think a lot of people just really want to know and understand the story because a lot of people haven't heard the story, although Dr. Frank... From the 60s on, uh, the original book, uh, Stranger at the Pentagon, was released in 1967. And Dr. Frank toured the world. A lot of people don't know. He was brought to Korea on a few occasions to uh, speak about it. The Asian communities are gigantic into extraterrestrials. And when he was there, he filled he filled a stadium like Dodger Stadium, talking about Valiant Thor. Wow. Uh, wow! Yes, and I have the pictures where all the military officials, everybody, uh, he has photo albums filled with that. And I've got, uh, you know, I've uh, his, his widow has let me, you know, gives me carte blanche into anything, and uh, so you know, I've gone through all of those, and uh, it's. It's just, you know, he led such an amazing life. I mean, he was on stages with, uh, you know, him and George King were best friends from the Asperia Society. Uh, 
Yeah. And, and George Van Tassel too. And George Van Tassel and 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 the other thing uh which I just find fascinating is my uh friend Ashtar Athena or Athena, I don't know if you guys know her, but she she goes way back to those days and she used to sit in George's channeling sessions in his home under the rock. Oh really? I don't know yeah. her. I want to know her. Oh, I you have her. to know her. I mean, she's. I I told her to listen today, so she may. She. Oh my God! I actually, when we filmed, uh, when we filmed all of the green screen and we did the day with uh, Eisenhower and Val Thor, I had her come to the set to put her her beauty because she is so spiritually luminescent that uh, she came to the set and did all of that and uh I was re- that was the one scene that I was worried about because this first exchange has to be played so well that y- you 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 have to feel Eisenhower feeling this incredible energy coming from him and Valiant Thor coming forward and saying who he is and, uh, you know, we did some rehearsals, and I said, well, we've got time. We're going to probably have to do a whole mess of uh, takes. And um, once we started shooting, they both were so on the money. And when we were done, she said to me, she said, they were both overlit by Eisenhower and Thor. I saw it. Oh, wow. Oh, my yeah, gosh. And I just got chills. And by the way, when we were when we were preparing the stage and building the uh, the Oval Office set and the, a lot of the other sets, you know, we were taking pictures the day before. There are there were uh, pictures where there were hundreds of orbs, and then later that night, when I was I just sat and I did my little, a little meditation, getting ready for the big day with the green screen and. Everything. It was a huge day, and we had to do it in one day. We started shooting at 7 a.m. The little love scene with Valiant Thor and Eileen Davidson was shot at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So um, anyway, uh, that night I just took pictures, and we had gigantic one gigantic white orb that kept showing up in the photos. And I went, that's the angel consciousness coming in. Wow, and you yeah. you also have talked to to Laura Eisenhower, haven't you, about this? Yes, as a matter of fact, yes. I mean, she's she's coming here to my house. I've met her beautiful uh, twin boys, who are those those boys are so smart. Oh my God, those boys are smart. And uh, yeah, she she came to the film festival. She brought the her twins and. Uh, and uh, she was there, and she's a big supporter of the story. And uh, she, as well, was uh, brought on to Ancient Aliens when I did my segment. Uh, I, I told them, uh, you know, that they should check into seeing her as well because uh, she could corroborate the story of being the great-great-granddaughter. So, um, Let me so, ask you, any- what's the name of the alien uh, The alien. Ancient Aliens series. What's the name of yours? I've the recorded episode. them all. So the I know the which episode one is, is uh, called the Mysterious Nine. It's about the nine gods of Egypt that were carried out through all kinds of civilizations, right? 
and and they they go through all of the different civilizations and then at a certain uh point um I know I'm going to say his name wrong uh but it's like Andreas Pradesh or Praharik. thank you very that's it Praharik. that's it knew him very and well I spent a lot of time with him you did. So he was, you know, that, that it was a lot about him and the channeling of the nine as well. Oh wow! And, yes, and uh, and then uh, the story uh, then transitions uh, into um, Valiant Thor and uh, the ancient aliens hypothesizing could he be one of the nine who was coming here to help the Earth because we know that that's his mission. And that was his mission from the beginning. Um, we also had Paul Hellyer, the uh, former Department of Defense, confirming the Valiant Thor story. George Nury was a part of uh, that, uh, talking about the Val Thor story. Laura Eisenhower confirmed it. And also uh, we went into, or, or they did, I, I gave them a lot of the information on um, Harley Bird, who was a part of Project Blue Book, and Harley um, worked for Project Book Blue Book during the time that Valfour was there. He wrote the foreword to Stranger at the Pentagon. And uh, we have the documents, um, which uh, we released on, uh, I did a sh uh, George Nury's Beyond Belief earlier this year, and we released the paperwork proving that Harley Bird worked for the Department of Defense during that time, uh, also showing a letter that Admiral Byrd wrote to another rear admiral at the Pentagon asking him to bring his son into the Department of Defense. And then we have the dates where he was there and where he worked for the Department of Defense. Um, we even have his um, – uh, he passed away, Harley passed away about four to five months after Dr. Frank. So Dr. Frank was 2008. Harley was early 2009. So um, so it, it, it's nice uh, to also have uh, that part of the story uh you know, corroborated and actually confirmed as well. Oh, wow. This and awesome. by the way, I got a wonderful phone call from Tom Danheiser, who is George's uh, producer for all his, you know, Coast to Coast, Beyond Belief, and his company. And he told me that they had a meeting with Gaia TV and that my episode on Stranger at the Pentagon is in the top ten of all shows on Gaia TV in its history. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So people want to know the story. And when you did any of you see the ancient aliens? I haven't seen it. I, I looked you on my seen thing. It yet. I don't see that one recorded yet. I don't think it's yeah. here. Yeah, it'll it'll be on the 15th. They usually the new one airs at 9 and they air the one from the previous week right before it. So just look for the mysterious 9. And uh, they did, I am not kidding you, I sent a beautiful letter to the producers telling them what a fantastic job they did with that story. It was, they did, it was so beautiful, I can't even tell you. 
Um, but I can't tell you because I'm telling you now. It was awesome. <laughs> I was so, you know, because you never know when you do these things how they're going to turn out. And uh, let, let's just hope that this gets out there into the public um, where we can bring a backer. So, uh, you know, because I'm ready to go with Stranger at the Pentagon with the feature film. Everything, you know, the script, the budget, uh, uh, everything is, is uh, you know, ready to go. The business plan, uh, all we need is $23 million right now. And that's not a lot when making a movie. So, especially one of this size, because in this movie, we're going to be going... We're going to be on Victor 1 and on the Victor-class saucers, which are 300 feet in diameter and double-deckered, right? Right. And we're going to be going to the Starship, which is 14 miles long and 7 miles wide, and we're going to finally bring to life what we all see in our heads of the crafts and how they look and how everybody looks. It's going to bring such a reality that people are going to just sit there and have chills watching this movie. Well, I noticed that that uh, on the trailer of the of, of the one that you sent us, we had so many names of our Starseed listeners contributed. And you know what? We're going to contribute more when we when some big money is hit. Just just know that we're sending it your way to help you with this film. Oh, I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for being such great supporters of it. And, uh, you know, in the uh, autobiography of an extraterrestrial books as well. And, uh, you know, it's truly all of our job and our mission is to, is, you know, to bring that back to life. By the way, in book three, we get to learn why um, our constellation was shut off from the rest of the universe. And uh, now it's ready uh, to rejoin Universal Society. So we're going to go into that part of the story as well, which is really, really uh, incredible. So, Did that, t- uh, that turn on on, on uh, December 20th of 2012? Is that when it happened? I'm not sure of the exact date, but it's it's turned on now. But all of these things, these projects and things that we're all doing is – is the slow thing to get everybody prepared for it. And and so people get to be used to it. Everybody who watches Star Trek says, I know that's real. I know it exists. I know, right? They know all of that. And, and I don't know if you know this, Lavendar, um, but when I did my research on uh, The Nine, that when Puharich was doing that, do you know that Gene Roddenberry went to a year of channelings with the Nine? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, yes. And did you do you see how the number nine comes up in all the Star Trek series and movies? Yes. The the actual ship is like something seventeen, something that adds up to a nine. There's deep space nine. There's seven of nine. I I found about twelve of those uh, things that that. Oh, and by the way, in the first uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, there were nine leads. Wow. Yeah. So the number nine uh, really followed suit. with that and with him. And they go into a little bit about that at the end of the episode on Ancient Aliens as well. You know, uh, when you and I sit down at some point and have a, 
a wonderful time and conversation. I will tell you some stories that happened between Andre Puarch and myself and and how that I became more um, in alignment with, I'm sure, everything that you're, you're talking about it, that, that's going to be on Ancient Aliens. So, yes. yeah, I would like to really talk to you at some point about something. Oh, I would love that. I, th- I, I think we would go into a time warp. Um, you know, I remember, I remember the first time Laura Eisenhower came here with her family. I said to her, I said, you need to come like at 10 in the morning because we're going to be in a time warp all day. And when eight o'clock at night hits, we're, we need this time. And so they did. And it was like three minutes had gone by. Yeah. You know, so um, so we're gonna we're gonna all need to be locked up. I would love to be locked up with you and Ariel and Anastasia and all that. That would be so much fun. Many so, unique stories that that yeah. I've written that are in the bank vault about Andre Puarich and my time with wow. him, and I will be releasing that in the next couple of years. Wow! Now that I'd love to hear. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Absolutely yeah, it, amazing. It, it's a true sci-fi thriller. <laughs> yes, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Wow. And they also had, um, I had suggested that they contact J.J. Hurtak because when I did my research on the nine, J.J. Hurtak was a part of that when Gene Roddenberry was there. Of course. Did you know and that? I, and Puarich, he's the one that gave me J.J. Hurtak's book. Oh my God! I know, isn't it an amazing book? Do you know, I I have been such a fan of that book for so so long, and um, he came, him and his wife came to the screening of Stranger at the Pentagon. They sat right next to Tanya Maidenford and I, and he was so impressed. He physically the next morning called me on the phone and said i am so impressed that in that short amount of time you had the language of god you talked about melchizedek and you brought all of these things into and i said well yes i said because you know i i'm very you know well versed on melchizedek and all of that and he said well i was taken there by enoch and um he said, I would consider it an honor if you would allow me to be um, your advisor when you make the big film. And I said, done. Absolutely yeah, done. Done. Absolutely. done. I mean, I, I just sat there and my body rang with chills. I mean, that was just mind-blowing. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, well, Craig, I, I have enjoyed talking with you so much, and to you, Stephen, but I'm looking at the time, and I know that Ariel's sitting there with a switchboard, and there may be some people that want to call in and talk to you. So at this time, I'm going to pass it over to you, Ariel, and we'll talk later, Craig and Steve. Okay, honey. Okay, and All right. Steve, good luck with your Comic-Con. Thank you very much. Back to you, Ariel. Okay. Well, at this time, if anyone would like to talk to Craig or Steve, If you're already on the switchboard, all you need to do is press 1 so we know you want to come on the air. And if you're listening on your computer, then you need to dial 917-889-8292. And then, once you're in, press 1. 
And while we are waiting for that process, um, I, I just want to say that I have so enjoyed having both of you on the show. Um, you both speak very well. Um, Steve, the work that you're doing up there is very inspiring, and thank you so much for the um, um, kind words about our show. And Craig, uh, you are, I mean, I'm just seeing everything that you're doing. I'm wondering, do you actually sleep at night? or what do you, it seems like. <laughs> I do, and by the way, I do have like a day job too. <laughs> You're, you're, still, you're still a casting director for right. Hollywood, right? <laughs> yes, you've written, absolutely. You've, you've written the third book in your trilogy. You've got Stranger in the Pentagon. you got the short film done. You've been all this touring, um, and yes. you still had time to go do Ancient Aliens. So yes. you know, thank you for the dedication and the energy that you put into your several missions. We certainly appreciate that. Oh, thank that. you. Thank you so much. You know, it's, and I'm not it's, surprised. It's um, I had because I, Craig, I've seen your chart, and Steve, I've seen your chart, and you, I can tell you that you both have some of the same star markings, indicating that you're part of a soul group. So that was not surprising um, to see that. And um, actually, you both have um, the markings that we look for for the Crystal Quest. So. Um, Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so cool. you know when uh, <laughs> when they when they put like your, um, your an extra week in every month. What is that? Wow! I hear noise. Hang on a second. It's a that was a ship. Yeah, oh, yeah. We got some high strangeness tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, that so, was a, um, that was a ship. Yes, I was going to say um, when they start putting an extra week in every month. Um, then maybe you'll have time to come and join us in in Arkansas. I know so, that would be so fun. <laughs> oh, it I would, would be love great. To do that. Every time you announce one, I I look at the schedule and I think, can I pull it off? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, at some future point, we'll see you there. However, that that plays out. But yeah, you both have the same uh, some of the same star markings, so that's not surprising that yes. you resonate so well together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pleiades. Yeah, yeah. The mark of the Pleiades. You both have it. Yep. Yep. So, um, once again, if you have a question for either of our guests, you can press 1 if you're already on the switchboard. And um, if you're listening on the computer, the number to call in is 917-889-8292. And then, once you're in, press 1. But yeah, we've yeah. covered an awful lot of information quite well tonight. So um, we we have, and there's a lot of people that I know that I sent them the link, and they're saying it's not working. They can't listen to the show. They've been texting me and emailing me all through the show, and uh, so I'm not sure um, if it's actually uh, working. You know. Well, uh, you know, um, that makes sense to me because. You know, I sent the announcement out like I usually do about 48 hours before the show. And and then this afternoon when I was, um, you know, preparing for the show, I, I came on to Blog Talk, and the episode, it said no episode scheduled. And that, I mean, that was six years we've been on the air. That has never happened. It just wow. went away. It just went away. So I'm not surprised that that link didn't work. And then I had to redo it 
so that we could come on the air tonight. Believe me, I was I was sweating bullets. Going, what the heck is going on here? And then I, yeah, I I, I called uh, customer service, and they were they they were all busy. I mean, so I I think that um, there might have been some kind of a a a system. I hope that it wasn't just us. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That I mean, I had to do a little two step just to, you know an hour and a half before the show. And I had to redo that announcement so the link would be different. Um, but this will be in the archives. And even if people, um, if they, if you can, if they text you again, just tell them to, um, like about an hour after the show, it'll be available in the archives, and they can download it. It'll go to iTunes, and um, yeah, that was just like a really, really strange thing that has never yeah, happened. And- so. And do, where where do they go to Starseed Academy or no? Just go to blogtalkradio.com, right? And um, forward slash Starseed hyphen Radio hyphen Academy, and that'll take okay. you right to our page. And on the page, um, you'll see on demand episodes, and it'll be the well, yours will be the first one right after our featured episode of Crack Between the Worlds. The re- the most okay. recent is always at the top, so. Um, that explains to me anyway why that yeah. link isn't working for them because it just it just vaporized it did it did yeah cuz they're all saying it's not working it's not working like uh, cuz i've been getting lots of texts and uh emails so so it's blog talk radio forward slash blogtalkradio.com dot com yeah, and actually, once you get to their main page, you could just put Starseed Radio Academy in the search bar, and it'll still take you. But the actual okay. the actual URL would be blogtalkradio.com forward slash Starseed Radio Academy with hyphens in between the words. Okay, perfect. So yeah, it. it will. They will be able to hear the episode in its entirety. It usually takes about an hour for it to get. Um, into the archives after you know after the show's over. Okay, that's perfect. So yeah, so, yeah. Um, talk about high strangeness. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's three. <laughs> I mean, that's three. First, the episode got erased, um, and then Steve went into the twilight zone there for a bit, and then that right. strange noise. We don't know what that was. Yeah, well, but, I know what that was. You know, <laughs> when when you uh, yeah, when you have been. Uh, I say involved with, aware of, or contemplating, you know, the whole extraterrestrial thing. Then you kind of just have to say, "Oh well, high strangeness. What's next? Move on." That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't let it, you know, stop you or or or, or freak you out. You're just like, yeah. So what? We'll just do it over yeah. again. I'll, uh, you know, so I had to, I had to recreate uh, the show <laughs> an hour before yeah. showtime. So. Oh yeah. my gosh. So is, is there any callers in, or there probably isn't if people can't get the link, right? Well, there are people that I think they just call in, and they know our number, and they call in every week because we have a lot of people on the switchboard. And um, any of you, if you have a question, you need to press 1, and hopefully that feature is working. Uh, right. So That's that we right. know that you want to come on the air. But. Do you have, I mean, you have your website, autobiographyofnet.com, that's, and also right. your your other um, website, strangeratthepentagon.com. 
and um, Steve's website, which is Coast S E A Coast Comic C O M I C Con C O N dot com. Okay, did I get all that right? Yes, yes. right. Very okay. good. <laughs> so if you um, if you want to if you have a question and if there's some reason that you can't um, flag us on the switchboard, I mean usually when you press one we get a little flag that so we know someone wants to come on the air. If that doesn't happen to be working tonight and you do have a question and we don't know about it, um, I'm sorry for that. But oh wait, oh it is okay. We got okay. We got one. We got one coming in now. Um, All right. And, uh, yes, our our uh, our switchboard producer Vanya um, always makes sure that she knows what that their question is on topic, and then as soon as um, as soon as they're out of the screen room, we'll have their name and uh, find out what the question is. Beautiful. But, you know, I mean, both of you know when you you know when you're doing live events, whether it's the the radio or or any other kind of event. Uh, you just gotta kind of roll with what you got at the time and and do the best you can. So yeah, as soon as this, that's right. this, uh, this caller is out of the screening room, um, we'll have him on the air, him or her. Perfect. So. Have um, you've, you've you've had Stranger at the Pentagon at the Burbank uh, Film Festival, and, uh-huh. and there was another one, another film the, festival. Uh, Houston, yeah, Houston, Houston World Fest International, yeah, film festival. So, oh, okay. so it won uh, best best sci-fi in both those, which is great. Yeah, well, I I think it, it there's no nothing that can beat it. So, um, okay, we have um, just about ready with this. Question for uh, it's going to be for Craig on on Valiant Thor, okay. and as soon as she's as soon as she's out of the the screen room, which I, okay, um, we're going to be talking to Tara, so just hang on, let me get your mic open. All right. Hey, is it Tara or Tara? It's Tara. Tara. Hey, well, Tara. Well, you're on the air. You're on the air with Craig, so go ahead and ask your question. Hi, Craig. Um, hey. You were in Kansas City about a year ago, maybe when you were there. Oh, that's um, right. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Wasn't that fun? Yes, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I loved it there. Uh, yeah, Mar- Margie K. Yes. It's a very yes, nice Mar- like it. Yeah, that was fun. So, yeah, we had a nice uh, big turnout uh, there in Kansas City, and uh it was a lot of fun, and we had a, a nice big uh, turnout with uh, a lot of uh, good, intelligible questions. I can't remember what they were, but. <laughs> um, well, my question is, is you said that, you know, we might see the Valiant Thor there in pictures, and I was wanting to know if anybody had talked to you to see if they had gotten any pictures of him while we were there. Do you know I didn't uh, I didn't see any. Um there are there were times when Dr. Frank would give a talk and all of a sudden Valiant Thor would appear sitting somewhere in the audience, but it was done in such a subtle way that nobody really noticed if somebody was there or not there. But there was a time where I remember Dr. Frank said some woman noticed him, and he just sort of did the little finger over the mouth like, shh, you know, keep my secret. 
And she did, and he sat and, uh, you know, watched Dr. Frank. And um, there was another incident, uh, and I'm not sure if it was like San Diego or somewhere, um, where a woman was going to be bringing Dr. Frank up, and she was speaking, and Valiant Thor popped in towards the middle back, and she noticed him, and she... Uh, she started talking, you know, there's Valiant Thor, let's get him up here, let's get him to talk, and he kept shaking his head no. And then she said to a couple of the guys who were the ushers, you know, go get him and bring him up here. Uh, when they got there, he just vanished. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and the other story, you know, there, there there there's this one story where he, when he was uh, living at the Pentagon, um there was a, a air force pilot um who who had really really bad ulcers and they were grounding him and he uh he was going to have to have an operation and uh valiant was walking down the hallway and he stopped the man and he he put his hands on his head and on his stomach and he healed him in that instant and when and the man just knew he didn't say I healed you or anything like that. The man just knew he was. He could feel the energy moving through his body. And uh, he when he went back to the doctor, he said, "You have to do the test again." I know, I I know that I don't have it. And they did the test, and he was fine, and he was no longer grounded, so he could fly. Um, and this this Air Force man. Uh, Valiant told uh, Dr. Frank this story, and years later, I think it might have been in the late 70s or the late 80s, I'm not sure, I'd have to go back in my notes, but um, the man actually came to one of Dr. Frank's lectures and told him that he was that man. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, but that's, you know, Dr. Frank said, you just never know. You, you you could be sitting there and any one of them could pop in and uh, and be there. So what I do a lot of times, like when we had the audience there um, uh, in Kansas City, I took pictures of the audience because then later on I could go in and I can scan the audience, right? Because mm-hmm. you never know if a crew member is going to show up. Yeah. So. Yeah, which is which is kind of cool because Dr. Frank used to talk about that all the time because a lot of the vice commanders uh, used to go a lot. Like Don and Thon uh, went with him to many, many of the uh, uh, things that Dr. Frank did over the years. And uh, once in a while, Teal would go and Yanaya would go. And um, uh, it was just, uh, it's just fascinating to to see, and I and I've talked to other people who who saw them, um, you know, uh, who saw I, uh, uh, a lovely la- lady named Sherry. Um, she had seen Valiant twice, and she saw Yanaya at one of the events um, as well, because uh, she knew Dr. Frank from the '60s uh, up until his death. And she oh, wow. she's passed away since, and she passed away very elderly. And um, but she she conversed with Valiant Dr. Frank and her husband in the '60s, and uh, and then she was at an event in the '70s. And I actually have I found a photograph among Dr. Frank's thing when um, 
when his widow uh, was letting me go through everything, of Sherry, her son, and her husband at their house that very night when she saw Valiant Thor again. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty, it's just fascinating hearing all the stories. So, and, you know, there's a, a couple other ladies that I've met who met him back in the 60s when they were teenagers, and they're, they're both still on the planet today. So um, they both had unique experiences, and they don't know each other. But the one thing that they both said that they remembered was that he had a fragrance about him that was unlike any other human being they've ever experienced. Hmm. So imagine what a created being would smell like, what a pheromone of a created being would be like. That would be pretty awesome. Would be pretty awesome. Yeah, do you like have any, really awesome. Would you have any plans of coming back to Kansas City soon? Do you know, I don't, but I keep saying I've got to call Margie. I've got to call Margie. She's a MUFON director there, and she she was one of the people who put the event on. And, um, you know, I bought some very cool mint-colored New Balance tennis shoes there, and it's the only place you can get them. So I'm going to have to come back soon. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I love Kansas City, by the way. I thought, it well, what a beautiful city. It was great. It is very pretty. It was so much fun, so much fun. Well, thank you so, thank you guys, you know, for coming out that night. That that was a great time, and, uh, you know, I so enjoyed it. And it's uh, it's just fun getting out there with people of a like mind who, you know, who want to know these stories and, you know, and bring them to light, so... Well, thank you for coming. We had a really good time. Oh, thank you so much. Say hi to everyone for me. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Bye. Thanks for Bye. calling, Tara. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Tara. So, yeah, that was a lovely yeah. stop uh, doing a screening there. So we had a, we had a nice, nice crowd. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And, of course, yeah. you know, if you ever if you ever go to the Atlanta area, you got to let me know. Do you know, I I should. Um, I mean, that would be really, really fun to, you know, put something on there. And I know some other, uh, some other friends are trying to set something up where I can go, you know, back east because they've been really wanting me to come there and do a screening. So they're trying to just figure it out, you know, uh, um, you know, to just – get enough so that, you know, they can just get me flown out there and, um, you know, and I can uh, stay with some of the friends there and, uh, you yeah, know, do, the, yeah. do it back there as well. So, because um, there's a big giant starseed group back there that just loves uh, loves the movie and has been following it for a very long time. So, Well, that's great. I have just yeah. I have so enjoyed this show this evening and um, many thanks to both you and Steve for what you're doing on the planet and certainly anytime you have any um, newsy tidbits come on back and and let us know we will love to keep up with what you're doing and certainly um, uh, once again I will uh, tell the website contact information uh, for for Craig, it's autobiographyofanet.com and strangeratthepentagon.com. And for yeah. Comic-Con, it is 
SeaCoastComicCon.com. Yes, so, and that's uh, a, July 23rd and 24th. Right. right. That's right. Yeah. And next Friday, I mean, this coming Friday on the 15th, Ancient Aliens. So check it out. Y'all have your assignments. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's going to really love what they did with that. You're going to really, really love it. It's one, of, it's one of the best shows, I think, that they've produced. Um, I mean, I love every show that they do, but this one was especially produced really well. Oh, so. Yeah, with some, some really good inside information. Say yeah, again. you're you're gonna love it, just love it. So, and I think it's gonna drum up a lot of interest to, you know, get some backing for the big movie as well because uh, they they really did a great job telling the story and all the people corroborating uh, the story as well. Yeah, that could be the ticket. So, Steve, yeah, you still there? Yeah. I am. Yes. Okay. Well, so, I just no, wanted I just... to. I saw the show, and I, I agree with Craig. I, I, I love all of their episodes, but this one had such a great flow to it, and the way they just drew the connections through, it was it was a really fascinating show, so people want to check it out. Absolutely. So, Steve and Craig, thank you so much for sharing your time with our audience. Uh, Steve, thank you for being such a loyal listener, and Craig, the work you're doing is just stellar so we appreciate oh, thank you, you and and you know and just like steve said you are so genuine you are so sincere and certainly um a part of our dear family uh i love you guys yes, well, thank you thank you much and love to everyone thank you so much steve and um that's it for this week boys and girls and we thank you for listening on behalf of everyone here at Starseed Radio Academy. And until next week, remember to count your blessings every day. Until then, take care. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Good night. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.